Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for a radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in through online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could join us as well. I was just saying to my next guest, it's glad to be able to welcome back Chuck Collins to our broadcast, but he has a brand-new book that is so different in many ways than what we've talked about before. Of course, I got to know Chuck from great books that he's been able to write, like Born on third base, but his newest book is his debut novel. It's called Alter to an Erupting Sun. We'll talk to Chuck not only about what it's like for him to craft the characters of the new book, but also to bring together issues that are very uh, timely, but also something that he's very passionate about, and the way that he's been able to see the response from readers as well. If you all are just now finding out about the new book, we will let you know how to get your own copy of it. Chuck, thank you again for the time. Really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me back, Cyrus. Great to talk to you. Hey, look, it Hey, look, it's always fun to speak with you, Chuck. And as I mentioned, we've been able to talk about some really important topics uh, over the years. And this book really, I think, ties in a lot of that with these characters you've been able to create. So let me begin there. What has it been like for you to see how people are responding to Chuck Collins, the novelist? Well, as you mentioned, you know, I've written a lot of nonfiction books, and I try to be a good storyteller in the context of writing nonfiction. But this is the first time I've written a book where my people I know are saying, well, I'm taking it to the beach. You know, I'm actually reading it on vacation. I'm really enjoying and and enjoy the kind of imagination aspect of it. So, yeah, it's been very uh, enlivening to to write a novel and to have people, I think, connect with it in a very different way. More about story, less about data. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that, Chuck, and I was saying to you before we went on here that one of the things I have definitely learned about fiction as someone who's been a, a reader all my life is that it allows us to discuss really issues even of truth in the real world in a safer way because people feel less judgment, uh, and also they find themselves talking about the characters and their situation and then making parallels to their own. Was that part of your hope with this book, that people would enjoy it, but also be able to get those messages as the characters did? A- absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, I set out to write a good story with interesting characters, uh, even a little bit of humor, um, and and now, you know, but then, um, like a lot of good fiction, it is a way to lift up a vision and lift up stories that might connect with people in a useful way. So absolutely, I, I have, you know, I have, I want people to sort of think about what kind of action can we take in this moment uh, facing climate disruption? And also, what can we do in, in a community level where we live? How do we build resilience? Uh, in the face of a disrupted future. So all of that was very deliberate, um, but it, in, at, the, at the start, it's all about writing a good story. Right. I think that is so true, and there are so many great um, tie, tie-ins you're able to make in the book. You mentioned, of course, climate change. It's one of them. One of the big things, though, that I took away from the book, Chuck, that I love, uh, that really fits this as a story, is what we can do together. 
there's this great scene that you wrote in the book about the two of the main characters basically going through this this walk in life, a literal walk. And as you talk about in the book, sometimes they would agree. A lot of times they would just have each other there. I think that is the thing that we miss sometimes in life and in discourse today, that we forget that it's okay to agree to disagree, but it doesn't mean that we cannot work together. What was it like for you to have themes like that in the book of what we could actually achieve if we were willing to work together? Yeah, that I know, and I think you know, whenever any of us set out to create an organization or join with others, you know, it's 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 challenging. We we're kind of broken people. We each have our own little brokenness. And uh, in 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 my novel, uh, the the main character Ray Kelleher and her brother Toby, um, kind of like a lot of families in the United States now, become polarized politically, but they kind of insist on staying connected and working together. Um, and Ray Kelleher, the main character, and her fictional husband Reggie, uh, you know, also have, you know, the, uh, as you mentioned, they, they take walks as a way to kind of stay connected and hash it out. And sometimes they have their arguments, but they 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 kind of are intentional about working it out. So they're they're good role models in the sense, in a in a somewhat polarized time of how do you stay connected? Yeah. And I think that that is so true. And and with Ray and Toby, we see them go through a lot, as people are doing today, Chuck, you know, having to uproot, um, to be able to feel like, even as Ray said uh, in the book, being orphans in their 50s, right? It, or, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to that. So I want to go back a little bit. How does the idea for Alter to Interrupting Sun, how did the book even come together? Well, you know, I had a story kind of a knocking on my inner door, uh, and I had a character, and and uh, and to sort of put it out there, you know, I've met a number of people. There's there's nobody who's you know, uh, my main character Ray Kelleher is an entirely fictional character, but you know, she's sort of a composite of other people I've known, and you know, there there are people who are lifelong activists. You know, they've they've given decades to civil rights and social justice and and the like, and you know, they're by the way, I don't see a lot of them in fiction either, you know, the lifelong dedicated social change activists. Um, but, you know, I think that, that that I wanted to show people who have a sense of agency, that they're trying to make a difference in the world. And, uh, you know, Ray is surrounded by people who care about nonviolence, that come out of the sort of civil rights tradition, nonviolent civil disobedience. But, it's not a spoiler alert to say that the the book starts with her at the end of her life facing down a terminal illness and she decides to take her own life and the life of a CEO of a fossil fuel company who she blames for delaying society's response to climate change. So it sort of begins with this dramatic, let's say provocative uh, action, unthinkable in some ways, shocking and wrong, so you, so the reader is sort of encouraged to be like, well, well what, what impact is that going to have, and why did she do this? And it was because I had heard people say things like Ray Kelleher said, you know, if I'm terminally ill, I might consider taking the life of a perpetrator with me. And it's, it's a kind of a shocking statement, and I kind of wanted in a fictional way, as you said, kind of in a fictional safe space to explore what the impact of that would be. 
And Chuck, you take us back and forth through time, right? I mean, we have these time jumps that are interesting of, of quote-unquote present time to even a future time and then taking us back and kind of seeing the makings. Did these characters, did they just kind of come to you and, you're, and you kind of you know, saw their story or did they kind of grow as the story kind of went on? They, you know, I kind of had a strong sense of this Ray Kelleher character um, and I knew that she would have, a, you know, a dedicated partner and maybe even children or sort of an adopted daughter. But, no, they, you know, the process of writing fiction, which I have to say was really fun, having written nonfiction books where you're kind of thinking about facts and footnotes, to just focus on character and story was, was really pleasurable. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the characters sort of developed. Uh, and I got feedback from friendly readers about what sounded, you know, authentic and what sounded off. And so I got some help along the way from people who uh, are good at writing fiction. Yeah. And I think as we see the characters unfold, I mean, I think everyone will kind of find someone that they're able to either see themselves in, Chuck, or will have those aspirational ideas of, I wish I could be more like this individual. I want to talk to you more about that, but I want to say for those who are just tuning in, though, here on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome back Chuck Collins to our broadcast. We're welcoming him back before a totally different type of book that we normally have discussed with Chuck. Of course, we know him from books like Born on Third Grace, uh, um, Third Base, uh, The Wealth Hoarders, uh, but his newest book is his debut novel, Alter to an Erupting Sun. We're going to also remind you you can get your own copy of the book as well. So, Chuck, Talking about the different things that we see Ray and, and 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 her brother, as well as of course her her partner, go through. I think there are so many different avenues of this, right? Like I mentioned, there is a whole thing of inequality, something that of course you have written about quite extensively. There is the issue of climate change, but there is also the idea of you know us against them. There is this whole idea of of you know we have to look after you know, have to look after the little guy. Talk to us about that theme, because that is something you are known for, uh, talking about why it's important not to forget those who are kind of bear the brunt uh, of a lot of the things happening in the world. What is it like for you to kind of just showcase what can happen when those individuals come together? Yeah, you know, I, I think part of the, the looking back historical fiction part of the book was to look at real people, some of whom are real people in life, some of whom are alive and some have passed to the other side, and kind of bring these characters in, people who um, are social change activists, who are facing inequality, facing racial injustice. Um, One of the characters that shapes Ray are are a, a civil rights leader and war tax resistor named Juanita Nelson, who's an actual real person uh, who was who a kind of apostle of nonviolence and living in harmony with the earth. Um, and, and, you know, th- these are the people that kind of shaped her and helped her develop a critical perspective about power and inequality. So you see Ray, starting at age 19, learning about um, economic justice. And then she spends time in Central America. So she she also gets kind of a global picture on the U.S. role globally through her own life experience and through the stories that, that shape her there. So, yeah, 
definitely trying to bring in kind of a wider perspective um, about what's working and what's not working in our society. That is so true. So, of course, the idea of government uh, also, of course, shows up in this book. And I think I, – I, I do find it, it fascinating, Chuck, you know, as we kind of look at the world today, and it's in um, – I made a note, uh, the chapter Transition Book Club, where it deals with 2014, how the idea of government, and it has definitely evolved, I think, for a lot of people, because a lot of times we think about government looking after us, right, that government being there um, to help. That is not the view that, that a lot of those in Alter to Interrupted Sud have come to appreciate. What was it like for you to explore in this novel the trust or mistrust that has happened when it comes to government and its role? That, that's a great question. And I think what happens with uh, the fictional Ray Kelleher is over her life as she becomes older, uh, she com- becomes more awakened to the ecological and climate crisis and how it's not something touching our grandchildren. It's something happening now. Um, and I'm speaking to you from the the brave little state of Vermont where we've just been hammered by floods and in fact it's it's raining again right now I just can't believe I'm hearing the rain on the roof you know <laughs> just like so so we're living through this disruptive time and Ray her her analysis gets better focused she starts to realize like the fossil fuel industry they knew 50 years ago about the harms of extracting and burning coal and oil and now gas. And yet they kind of hid that. And they used their power as corporations to block alternatives and to sow dissent and to fund misinformation. We now know that big oil and gas and coal have spent billions of dollars on communications to get everybody to think, oh, climate change isn't real, it's a hoax. Or it's your fault, it's all of our fault, it's not the fault of the industry. But the more Ray learns, the more she comes to this deeper understanding that, huh, there are a couple dozen corporations who are led by maybe a couple dozen people who have a huge responsibility. They are very complicit in the ecological situation we're in right now. So that's part of how her critical view develops. And what she was the big government? I'm sorry. She doesn't believe government's going to be able to fix it because the government has sort of been hijacked by the fossil fuel industry. So, just you know, to your question, her faith in the government, at least the national government, to sort of do something to respond to the crisis, is diminishing. Not because government is inherently bad in any way, but just because it's been kind of hijacked by the big oil and gas and coal industry to do its bidding. I I just was going to ask you about uh, reflection because uh, we mentioned earlier about, um, you know, the – the idea of actually talking things out, communicating, and how we can agree to disagree. Um, there is, as you bring the book forward to, to 2022, this idea of realization, basically of not only the life we have lived, but what have we done, how we contributed, and how we impacted. I wanted to ask you on a personal level, Chuck, what has that been like for you to question and to reflect on your own role um, 
in the world based on what you've been able to share, the discourse that you've been able to be a part of, and the impact you've been able to make? What has that been like for you to reflect on? Well, you know, it is, it's always a challenging question. You know, is what each of us do is doing making an impact? Um, and in some ways, writing a novel was a, another way to try to have an impact. Um, you know, the popular movie Don't Look Up, and there's some other movies that are sort of on themes about, you know, society today. And I think they're popular because they uh, they're outside the sort of academic data-based world but you know i i, I think um what what this book is one one way to think about it is it's about formation you know in our religious traditions we talk about how are we formed who forms us what are the influences that form us and you know there's a lot of the characters and, and forces in this book that also formed me um yeah i hope i hope uh I can be more effective. That's really what I'm I'm curious to learn how to do even better. How can we come together and be even more effective in a time of, you know, multiple crisis, economic, democracy, ecological. Uh we're we're, we're going to need our best selves to step forward here. So I wanted to also ask you then, based on the characters that we're able to meet, one of the things we're able to see is them being involved at a young age. Is that I'm sure that was not by accident uh, for the characters you create. So what do you want readers to think about as they see how these characters have grown, um, the role that they've been able to play in their lives, and how we as as individuals can do the same? Yeah, I think it's I think it's important to show in fiction that there are these people like Ray Kelleher and many of the people portrayed in the book who are engaged for their entire lives. Uh, they're, they're lifelong activists and campaigners, you know, Ray, it's starting at the age of 19, but you can even see, you can, you, we learn about the things that kind of shaped her even at a younger age. Um, so I think that's part of the, part of the challenge or the fun is to say, what forms us? You know, what what are the things that shape each of us? And you know, in in the case of Ray, social movements are what makes history. You know, she's actually part of successful social movements as well as things that that kind of flop. And you sort of see, if you look over a whole lifetime, you win some, you lose some, and that's very much her her life experience. Did you feel like, even though there is a sense of finality in some respects of this book, um, Chuck, are there some of the characters you would love to see yourself revisit? You know, I haven't thought, given thought to that. Um, there's a character who is uh, kind of an adopted daughter named Alex who um, serves prison time because she's, you know, accused of being kind of a, a driver. She's She's completely not part of Ray's uh, shocking action, but she's sort of scapegoated and blamed for it. And I think she's an interesting character. She's a younger person. She sort of stands up at, at Ray's kind of uh, kind of a memorial servicer uh, and says what Ray did was wrong, but what Ray is saying is what bold action are each of us willing to undertake to defend the earth? 
and I think she's a character that you know could if if, if anybody was going to live on, she would be an interesting character to watch what she does in the coming years. Yeah. Uh, we're able to see in the book Ray's love of of history herself in many ways. I mean, she's a, a reader. There's a quote I made a note of, Chuck, I wanted to share with our audience, um, going back to 2006 uh, in the book. The chapter is Passages, and the quote that Ray mentions is, there are many things that can only be seen through eyes that have cried. I never have heard, heard that quote before, but I thought, about, thought it interesting as we were going to have this conversation as the importance of hearing others' experiences. We're able to see Ray actually get to know other people by being in different areas. How important is that for us to make sure that we are not just basing the world and our idea of the world, Chuck, on our own experiences, but seeking out those eyes who have cried and being able to understand the world they come from? Yeah, it's uh, a great question. And I, and I think, you know, it was a Monsignor Oscar Romero who was the Archbishop of El Salvador who said that and and like you say Ray is a she is a voracious learner and she collects quotes and she thinks about anniversaries and uh, even though she doesn't uh, ever graduate from college she's a very book interested in books and history um, so you know I think that what what I like to show there is Ray using that as a way to un understand the world understand other people's experiences you know, she travels in Central America. She's only really out of the country six months, but it deeply, deeply forms her. And she uses, you know, she obviously talks to people and makes friends, but fiction is a way to develop empathy and connection to people who have really different experiences. I know personally I've learned a lot about the world from fiction. I just read a novel about a young woman from the uh, Sami tribe in northern Norway who are the reindeer people. Well, I probably will never get to Sweden and Norway, but this gave me this amazing window into another people's other experience, the people that I share this planet with and I may not get to meet, but I've learned a lot from, from fiction. Such an important thing, such an important conversation here, Chuck, for sure. So, Chuck, I want to ask you about social media. I, as I was prepping for this segment, of course, um, and then, of course, before we went live here, we shared, of course, the social media. How has that helped you to continue to have this dialogue and to have these conversations? How is that medium? How has that helped you? Well, you know, it's it's one of the ways that an I, ideas are spreading right now, and um, to be part of conversations with you and, and, and the reach of your blog, the, the podcast and other outlets, it's, it's really what you hope for as an author. You know, you, you write a, a book, but the most, the, the, the pleasure is in the conversations that come out of it. And so, yeah, for two months now, since the book came out, I've had, you know, uh, hundreds of conversations that, you know, that's, that's, and, and, uh, you know, what's a funny thing about the book is that the participants in the book are not really big computer techno types. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of one of the fun things was to imagine a world where people actually did more face-to-face -face communication. But honestly, we live in a world where social media is one of the ways we learn. So uh, I, I, it's been helpful for sure. 
Well, I'll tell you, this conversation has been great, Chuck. So glad we had a chance to be able to speak to you about the new book. Again, everyone, Chuck Collins has been our guest. His debut novel is called Altar to an Erupting Sun. It is available now. Of course, you can get it through our friends at Amazon.com. It is published by Green Writers Press as well. Uh, Chuck, really appreciate you stopping back by. How can our audience stay connected with you? You should check out uh, ChuckCollinsWrites.com and also Inequality.org which is a website that I edit for the Institute for Policy Studies, some co-editor. So those are two good resources to learn about both the, the larger inequality issues that you and I usually talk about, as well as the, the books and the novel. All right. Well, Chuck, again, appreciate you and definitely looking forward to our next conversation together. Thank you, Cyrus, for having me back. Hey, glad to do it. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care. <music>